One of the things that we have done in Truth Currents in the last couple of years is spend the month of November sharing time with, with a brother. Um, this is Emilio Lartigue. Emilio is a longtime friend. He was a pastor on my team for more than two decades. He does a, a philosophical, theological uh, vlog called Truth Matters. If you are not a subscriber of that, uh, you need to track it down and look it up. It's a parallel, it complements what I do on Truth Currents. And so for the next uh, several episodes, Emilio and I are going to talk about some critical theological issues of our day, and, uh, and I hope that you'll stay tuned as we uh, just talk together about the things that God has put on our hearts. This is Truth Currents. Well, welcome. I told you that uh, for November this year, we're going to do something special. And so again, this year, uh, like we did last year, I have asked uh, Pastor Michael Gabbert, Dr. Michael Gabbert, to join me. And we're going to cover some subjects, mainly the topics that I looked at uh, and we looked at together on Truth Matters. And so the, this week's episode, we're going to look at beginnings. And so let's uh, just start. Thank you, Michael, for coming. Uh, let's just start with the question... Uh, in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, we have some very significant doctrines, biblical doctrines that, that we get from those first 11 chapters. And, and uh, what would you say are the most significant biblical uh, doctrines that we get from those 11 chapters? Yeah, I mean, though, that's a great question. Uh, it's important because we live in a generation with so-called scholars who are often telling us that uh, the first 11 chapters of Genesis are just poetry. It's, it's myth, mythological. And so... They say that, um, that we don't really spend time there. We just go to Genesis chapter 12 and we start with a real person named Abraham and, and now we have history that we can sort of sink our teeth into. Uh, but the reality is if we skip those first 11 chapters, they are truly foundational to everything that, that unfolds in the Bible. And so uh, to, to miss those chapters or to not take them seriously is to miss doctrine like the doctrine of creation, obviously, God is creator, uh, but the doctrine of sin and the fallenness of human nature, that's, that's, a, that's critical to understanding where we are today in our culture. Um, the need for a Savior flows out of the doctrine of sin. And the first 11 chapters also have the first promise that God is going to provide that very Savior that we so desperately need. Uh, the Noah story gives us the doctrine of redemption. Um, the Enoch story talks about fellowship with God and what it means for someone created in the image of God to walk with God. Um, all of those doctrines, including things like uh, gender and marriage, which are huge issues today, uh, they find their initial explanation in those early chapters. Yeah, God created man and woman. Mm -hmm. So you have the creation, not only of origin in terms of the universe, but of mankind. You have, uh, like you mentioned, the basis for morality, if God is the creator. Uh, you have the, the origin of evil coming into mankind and the nature and definition of it uh, mm -hmm. as far as, as God lays it out. And also you have, uh, in those 11, 11 chapters, you have the intervention of God. God also is just not out there. He actually 
in, intervenes. He intervened in the garden and in the flood mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. evil reached such a degree. And, and that intervention covers both redemption in the garden and judgment in the flood. So we're, we're, we're already being introduced to this God who is a God of love and a God of justice, which is something our generation fails to understand. That's right. And, and uh, you have cultures and languages. It moves away from, from uh, what we find when people talk about the evolution of man, the evolutions of culture, and they have some some basis because they are, there's maturity and so on, but it's not as the naturalist would say. Mm -hmm. and, and so you have to have it. It's, it's very much like the prologue of a long story, which uh, as I've mentioned in, in Truth Matters, the, the, the scripture, there's a story of everything here. Mm -hmm. and, and this is the prologue, the beginning. And the truth is, if this is myth, then how do you deal right. with the rest of the Bible? If, right. if, there, if creation is a myth, if, if Adam wasn't a real person, then how do we know Abraham? How do we know right. anything is? Right. I mean, you can e easily go, go in that direction. Now, what doctrines coming out of the Bible uh, there uh, are often ignored? You, you mentioned. Well, uh, you know, three of them come to mind immediately. Um, first of all, I've mentioned gender and marriage. Um, our our understanding of what it means to be human and to be created either male or female, um, that's foundational to our understanding of reality. And, and today we live in a generation that, that says, well, none of that is absolute. It's all made up. It's a construct. Um, the, Bible, the Bible presents it as something other than that. It's, it's foundational. It's the core of who we are. So there's, there's gender, there's uh, marriage, Marriage is deeply misunderstood. We have this idea that we can redefine marriage according to whatever the whims of society are, but, but the early chapters of Genesis tell us that this was something that originated in the mind of God because he understood how the man and the woman were, were created and what was best for them, that unity, that one, one flesh relationship. But then the other thing that comes out of those chapters is, is this idea that uh, that one of the things that we ignore today is the idea that man is damaged and he's no longer inherently good. Uh, I don't know how many conversations I have with people and the, prim the premise, frankly, of most progressive theology and, frankly, most liberal politics, the premise is that man is essentially good and we just need to take off all of his external oppressive influences and let him blossom into himself. Uh, the biblical truth is man is flawed deep into his core, and if you remove those external restraints, he doesn't become, uh, he doesn't become good, he becomes unrestrainedly wicked. <laughs> but yeah. that, that, that flows out of our understanding of human nature that comes from the Bible. That's right, I mean, you, you get the anthropology, I mean, the Creator gives us the anthropology right. for all mankind, and even with, from little children on up, there is something wrong. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong inside. And it does, the environment, education, you might uh, educate somebody, they just become smarter. You know, they can get real creative with sin. Well, and it plays out in real practical ways. Um, we're gonna defund the police. Because see, if we can eliminate that oppressive external influence, everybody will get along and we'll just, we'll, we'll live in utopia. <laughs> Except everywhere where they've defunded the police, guess what they've discovered? Mankind is not inherently good. And now all of a sudden, what do you do? Because you don't have an external restraint on those impulses to, 
to be narcissistic and to and self-centered in your actions. I mean, there's also the the the, the creator. I mean, just the concept, the the truth that there's a creator, there's an origin, there's a, a referent for everything else. Uh, and if if it's just the naturalist would say, if it's just time plus matter plus chance, then there's no referent. Right. And man is the center in a sense, but. But if there's a creator, then there's something that that has to, like you mentioned, uh, we mentioned in the flood, there's someone that has to be answered to. Mm-hmm. And that's what we find. And, and when you ignore that, well, you get some of the things that you've mentioned. And uh, what, sort, what sort of, this sort of flows out of that, what sort of problems and consequences arise when some of these doctrines are that are found there are ignored? What, what, are kind of, what flows out of that? Well, look around us. I mean, what we see is... Uh, the rejection of absolute truth. Once we've rejected absolute truth, which is a measuring stick by which we evaluate ourselves as well as as society in general, uh, the rejection of absolute truth leads to an overestimation of human goodness. I mean, it's fascinating to me when you ask somebody if there's a heaven and if there's a God and you stand before that God someday and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? What's your answer? Almost invariably, the answer is, well, I'm a good person. Okay, there's a dramatic overestimation of our goodness if we think that we can stand before a perfect God and claim that we're good enough to be in his presence. But that flows out of ignoring these, these doctrines that we're talking about. We've redefined marriage, we've confused gender, we have no concept of being created in the image of God and the obligations as well as the privileges that flow out of that. Because like you said, we've been taught for generations now that we are the product of blind random chance. We are simply the most intelligent monkey on the planet. And then we're shocked that we tell people that they are accidents, that they're just a higher level of animal, and then they behave like animals. And we're like, oh my goodness, well, I wonder whose fault that is. And, and then, as I thought about this question too, I thought, because what also happens is that if the creator's taken out, what, ha- what you begin to get is an inaccurate theology, any idea of a concept of God. When you, you ask people, do you believe in God? And they'll say, oh yeah. Well, then you ask them, and basically they talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, I think God is, and boom. Mm-hmm. They have no real solid concept and even nature can become God. And we see this, for instance, even in the environmental mm-hmm. emphasis that so much are. And, and, then, and then, of course, as we mentioned earlier, the anthropology concept, because man becomes the center. Again, we become the center. Uh, and, and how we define that, we, now we, we've reached a, a, a nonsense stage of you can't even define what a man is, mm-hmm. what a woman is, because there's no reference. And then, of course, the cosmology is, is totally uh, a different cosmology. I mean, there are some things that come out of a, an inaccurate cosmology because, well, we're trying to save the planet, for instance. Mm-hmm. We're, trying, right. we're, we're trying to rescue. Isn't, isn't that good of us? <laughs> we're trying to rescue the planet. <laughs> right. and, and, of course, we'll get, we'll get into this a little more in the next episodes, but there, God even speaks to the to the. In results, what happens in the cosmos? What happens for the for the environment? But see, what we see in our culture is, particularly the younger generation, they live with this awful weight, this pressure 
that, that, that is on their shoulders because they've been told that they're responsible for the earth and they're responsible for all of these things rather than understanding where our place is. The Bible says that we're created a little lower than God, but, but we are the, the apex of creation. But it's important to know where you fit in that, in, in that, in that pattern. Um, I would put it this way. I mentioned Enoch uh, a minute ago. Uh, even though he's just barely given to us in Scripture, uh, I love those verses in Genesis 5 about Enoch because, um, as I like to say, Enoch walked with God. But today, we expect God to walk with us. <laughs> well, yes, that's uh, well put. Because God is who we make him to be. Right. You know, and sometimes I phrase it this way. People talk about, for instance, God and love. And they'll say, well, if God is love, and what they've done is they've made love God. Right. But they've right. got it. God is the one who defines love. We don't. Love doesn't define God. Well, that's it. Because if God is love, He'll act the way we think that love should be, and and so there again, we've created Him in our image. Absolutely. Now, uh, what doctrines that come out of the Bible that, uh, said in these early chapters have been distorted or are distorted? Well, I think um, I think the essence of these chapters is the story of. Uh, the spread, the, the, the genesis, if you will, the genesis and the spread of rebellion. Because you have Adam and Eve, their first sin was essentially um, to refuse the, the single limitation that God had given them. Then you have the first murder recorded with the, with the brothers, and, and this goes all the way through the flood, but even after the flood, now we have the Tower of Babel, and, and so what happens is it's the story of man becoming the standard by which all things virtuous are measured. And I think that that's, uh, I think that's a critical doctrine to understand because, frankly, we live in a culture, we call it cancel culture today. And cancel culture is uh, a really um, unholy religion. And, and what I mean by that is cancel culture is a religion that has externally imposed standards that you have to live up to. But when you fail to live up to those standards, there's no grace, there's no forgiveness, there's no redemption. There is only perpetual penance and self-recrimination. And, and nobody's safe. And, and, and nobody's safe. It, 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 it cannibalizes itself. And, and it's a moving target because you can never be virtuous enough and eventually you get caught in something that shows that you're not perfect and man, there's no way out. I mean, th whether we're in the early chapters of Genesis or we flash forward all the way to the New Testament, um, God came to Adam and Eve, he could have just wiped them off the face of the earth. He said, well, that was a, that was a mistake that I shouldn't have done. What does he do? He, he separates them from the garden because that was an act of grace to, to put distance between him and, 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 and them uh, because they couldn't coexist yeah. together in their sin. But he didn't just kick them to the curb. He clothed them yeah. and he made a way. I mean, it's the story of, of grace and mercy from the very earliest moments. So you've got this 
unfolding and, and ever-expanding rebellion, but you've got grace right from the beginning. And that's what our culture today doesn't have. It has the, the, the standard of virtue that, that you have to try and maintain, but man, if you miss the mark, uh, the wolves pounce. I like how you put it, because uh, in, in Truth Matters, I laid out the narrative. The sto- I call it the story of everything. And, I, and, and it goes through, and a, an element in that story is there's a rebellion. Mm-hmm. And this rebellion goes all the way to the end. And God is going to deal with the rebellion. He does it in redemption by saving some. And then he has to deal with it eventually by uh, the total in judgment. We'll look at that at the end. But uh, the, there, there is... No doubt, and I, I like the fact also that in answer to this question that uh, it, the nature of God and the existence of God gets distorted, completely distorted, and you end up with worshiping, I've mentioned this already, worshiping nature. There's idolatry. You, you replace God with other explanations. You substitute something else in, in place of God, or you eliminate Him. And what happens is man moves all the way to the top, and everything's measured by man. You mentioned the, what happens in the cancel culture. As you were speaking, it reminded me of the, the, the French Revolution, the reign of terror. Mm-hmm. There was nobody safe. The guillotine would catch you. You could slip up one time and boom, you were mm-hmm. gone. And the only answer for that historically came with the rise of Napoleon. Mm-hmm. Tyranny has to come in and somebody has to take control. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, there's usually somebody to come fill in that spot pretty easily in, in history. <laughs> Hmm. Now, now, uh, in the same way, I mean, there are problems that arise as consequences of some of the things that we've talked about. And, and what are some of the, the consequences that arise from these doctrines when they are distorted? Uh, well, one of the consequences is we never learn anything. I mean, I mean the reality is if we could... If we could learn what the Bible teaches us in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, we wouldn't have to relearn it in every generation. But that's also a part of human nature, which is that um, we each stand accountable before God individually, but we are determined to make all the wrong decisions before we make the right decision. And so I think um, one of the consequences of minimizing uh, the foundational teachings of Scripture that we find in those early chapters is we've lost any context for the human experience. Yeah. Uh, and, and we are literally in a generation right now that is attempting to make up the rules as we go along. And that's not sustainable. I mean, I mean not just for our culture, but human civilization can't live under those rules. Yeah. I, one of the things I'd put down for this question is that uh, they continually put forward failed solutions mm-hmm. because nothing's learned from history. Right. And you keep repeating it over and over again. Evil is misunderstood. It's mislabeled. And so all it just goes over and over and over. And well, over that's again. it. And there's always a new generation of young people who, who buy into the idealism and never have, uh, apparently they missed the history class that showed that all of these political systems have been tried before yeah. and, and they didn't work. But, but the illusion is, well, it's never been done the way we can do it. So now we're back to the overestimation of good in us. We can finally get a handle and we can turn the earth into what it was really supposed to be. 
Yeah, we we have the word that was created. Utopia. Yeah. Yeah, no place. No place. You know, because right. it really doesn't happen. I mean, there is a, a longing, I think God's put it into us, a longing for more, for something more. It's like the adopted child who's been severed, and, and there's always a sense of there's more, but they, they don't know how to reach it. Right. They've never been taught about it. And then also, I put down also, mankind is, is really unprepared because you've ignored the history, ignored those foundations. They are literally unprepared for reality that will occur, and that is meeting God. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just, they're not going to be ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, this like, I, I always remember the scariest time for me was in, high, in school. Usually you walk in, the teacher says, take out a piece of paper. Yeah, number yeah. from one to ten. Yeah. It's called the pop quiz. I mean, you're just totally unprepared, and you try to stall. But there's a reality that faces every one of us. Death, for instance, and and if you're not ready, and and, uh, and then in, in the, all the things that we've described, there's something that is making itself so apparent, and that is a hopelessness and a loss of meaning and despair. I mean, because if you don't have a sense of the story of everything. Mm-hmm. Where do you go? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, in fact, I, just a couple of weeks ago, that even here in Tulsa, there was a report because they were funding mental, mental uh, uh, dollars towards mental, uh, mental, health, mental health. Because last year in Tulsa schools, I think there was right. 3,000 suicide attempts. I'm thinking children have lost what should be available to children, a sense of hope. Well... But like I said, we've told them that they are accidents of random chance. They are animals. There's nobody to whom they're accountable. There's no point or purpose. Um, you know, part of the rise in, in gender transitions, I think, is attributable to the fact that people um, are unhappy and, and there's a liar whispering in their ear saying, well, well, yeah, you, but, but it's greener on the other side. I mean, go over there. Nobody talks about the 41% suicide attempt rate in the transgender community. And when they do talk about it, it's because of all of those judgmental bigots out there who are, who are putting pressure. But what, what they don't actually do is look at the research that shows that people are transitioning those suicide attempts are happening on the other side of their transition when they make life-altering decisions, body-mutilating decisions, and they get there, and guess what? They're not happy. Well, then what's the point? They haven't been given a point to hold on to. Yeah, and because and the, the, the thing that's not changed is one is the nature of the true living God and the nature of fallen man. Mm-hmm. Because you, you, you still have them in their condition. You can put them anywhere, they still have them, them in that condition. And how comforting it is though, that we can actually turn to the Bible. It is reliable. Those first 11 chapters are reliable. Mm-hmm. Not only they're, they're historical, they're reliable. And they make sense. Yes. You know, well, it's just, you know, I mean, a big boat filled with animals. I, I understand, but there are things that, that aren't easy for you to, to get your mind wrapped around, but the worldview that flows out of those chapters makes sense of reality. Chuck Colson used to always say that the way you judged a worldview was simply by asking this question, can you live by it? Yeah. And you can't live by the worldview of secularism that is dominant in our culture. 
but the biblical worldview explains reality in a way that you can actually live. You know, I saw a little a clip the other day, and it was, it was the child Jesus, and he's answering questions in the temple. And uh, he's, he's the son of a carpenter, and he's giving these answers. He said, so are you saying, and he explained, are you saying that, you know, that God's like a carpenter? He said, absolutely. I mean, he, who gave Noah the instructions how to build an ark? And then, of course, here the carpenter comes in himself. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, on a piece of wood, uh, that's where the say, I mean, and I always talk in terms of there's a, there's a, uh, to trust, there's something comforting to be able to trust in the genius of who God is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because even as a child, you can, to be able to trust your father, to know you're safe there. And uh, the older I've gotten, the more I've, I've felt the peace of trusting. Not only did he have it back there, but he's got it right now. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know where, to, I know the, how the story of everything ends, and I also know how the story began. And the one who superintends it always is the same God who was in the garden, mm -hmm. who's at the end. Yeah, and when you walk in on a movie, and you're 30 minutes into the movie when you arrive, you spend the rest of the movie saying, now who is this? How, what are they doing? Well, how does this make sense? And that's what we've done with human history. We've ignored the foundation, so we spend all of our time walking around going, now how does this work? Who is this? What are we supposed to do? Because we didn't get the, the foundations, and that's why those chapters are, are critical. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I, I look forward to the next uh, few times, that we're, the next two episodes when we're gonna look at these other subjects. So uh, thank you again, and uh, thanks for joining us in this episode. Remember, everything we've talked about just once again establishes the truth that truth matters. <laughs>